Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Why does the scripture keep saying this over again? Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And whoever believes in him will not be ashamed. And have faith in God and saved by grace through faith. Because we will miss it unless he says that a hundred thousand times. It's repeated over and over again in scripture. And you know what? I never get tired of hearing it. I hope you don't. I'll be, oh, I came here to learn some deeper things. Well, I'll throw in a few Greek words for you, but I'll tell you what, there's nothing deeper than Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. There's nothing deeper than God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's nothing better, nothing richer, nothing deeper. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And it ends in verse 12, this Romans 10 where I've, keep interrupting myself. For there's no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is rich to all who call upon him. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He's just a phone call away. Oh, you don't need a phone. Just call on him. Folks, I want you to know there's so many lies out there trying to get you to try to come to God another way. Well, we're the one true church. You can only come through our church. Oh, really? Okay. And now that you're here, I want you to jump through this hoop. Jump through that hoop. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't drink this. Don't smoke that. Don't do this. And before you know it, it's like, I'm in trouble. And the Bible says, come to Jesus. And there's changes that need to be done, but he'll make the changes. And he'll show you when each change needs. He'll, he's the instructor, not, not some church making all the rules and making all the hoops to jump through. Jump, you know. Jesus is the one who controls it all. You come to him and you put your life into his hands and he'll, he'll moderate the whole thing, okay? Now, how's this possible? How could it be so simple? Again, Paul said it in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. He says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God has before ordained that we should walk in them. What he's saying is, you're not saved by good works, but you're saved for good works. You're not saved by you doing good, but you're saved so that now you can do good. Okay, don't get the cart before the horse. Get it right. Now it's interesting. Some people make a big deal about um, uh, by grace you're saved through, uh, through faith and that not of yourself. Since people want to argue, theologians want to argue. What's that that's not of yourselves? Is it faith or what is it? You, you can't even believe unless God makes you believe. I don't think that's what it's saying. I think that is the whole topic of the, the verse, salvation. 
For by grace are you saved, and that salvation is not of yourselves. It's a gift. But you do have to believe. You trust in him. Okay, now, Spurgeon said this. I, li- I love to quote Spurgeon. It's so flowery, those words. He says, it is not thy hold on Christ that saves thee. It is Christ. It is not thy joy in Christ that saves thee. It is Christ. It is not even thy faith in Christ that saves thee, though that be the instrument. It is Christ's blood and merit. What's my faith in? My faith is in Christ, in his blood shed on a cross for me, in his work of atonement for me, and that's my confidence. But it's not my faith that saves me. It's him that saves me. I just trust him to do so, okay? It kind of reminds me of the story uh, I love to talk about back in Numbers chapter 21. We'll look at it in a moment. But it's the story of look and live. Look and live. There's a, a time when... The children of Israel were in trouble. As a matter of fact, Jesus quoted about it. And, and just before John 3.16, just before John 3.16, Jesus said John 3.14, only he didn't say the numbers. Listen to what he said. He said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. What was he talking about? As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Now, if you know the story... The children of Israel in Numbers chapter 21, they were in sin. They were in rebellion. And God sent judgment. And the judgment came in the form of poisonous snakes. And the poisonous snakes were everywhere. I was going to say, try to put on your boots, but they were in the sandals. (laughs) I don't think they had boots. Whatever they had. They were everywhere, and people were getting bit by these poisonous snakes and dying, and, and, and they would cry out, and Moses cried out to God, says, God, what's the solution? And the strange thing is, God didn't deliver them by making the snakes disappear. He had a strange cure, and I think it's a picture of how salvation works for us today. When you call out on God, he doesn't make all sin on earth disappear. Well, in a sense, he will as he forgives them. But in Numbers chapter 21, verse 8, listen to the, the end part of the story. The Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. So and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he'll live. Boy, this, if this isn't a picture of Jesus Christ on the cross for us, I don't know what is. And all throughout the Old Testament, there's pictures of Jesus. It says, so Moses made a bronze serpent, which by the way, bronze is a, a metal signifying judgment. And bronze serpent was a picture of the very thing that was killing them. And they hung it up on a pole. Do you know when Jesus hung on the cross, he became the very thing that was killing you. He took God's judgment upon himself. And the very poisonous serpent that was, that's killing every single one of us, sin, Jesus became for us as he hung on that cross and he became that serpent on the pole. And it says, when they looked at it, they lived. So Moses made a bronze serpent and he put it on a pole and it was so that if, a, if anyone was bitten, or if it, yeah, if, if it bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. When he looked, he lived. What a picture of us today. Jesus hangs on the cross, taking your sins in mind, becoming what was killing us, sin, the serpent on the pole. And now, what do I do? I've been bitten, I'm dying. Sin is killing me. The wages of sin is death. You look and live. You look to Jesus Christ. He's the remedy. He's God's remedy. He's God's strange cure. I love that story. And I love how 
most of all of the stories of the Old Testament, they're, if you look right, they're pictures of Christ. So just as sinners in Moses' time looked at the serpent and lived, today we look at the cross and live. We look to Christ on the cross who became sin for us. Have you heard this verse before? 2 Corinthians 5.21 I know I wear it out but God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now I want you to forgive me. You've been here a while. Some of you guys have heard this. I see there's a couple of new faces. I gotta tell them, okay? <clears throat> this is what I call the divine swap where God took all of our sins and he put them on Jesus Christ and Jesus was on the cross being treated the way you and I deserve to be treated. God made him who knew no sin, who had no sin, to become sin for us. And then it's not fair, but Jesus was treated the way you and I deserve to be treated. He was put to death. He was judged by God for the first and only time in all of eternity. God turned his face away from his son to the point where Jesus cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because sin. He became the serpent on the pole. And it was the divine swap. But that's just half the story. Because you don't want to swap, there's an exchange. The first part of the swap is he took our sins and was treated the way that we deserve to be treated. But my favorite part of the swap is that when I look to him, you know why I live? Because he took my sin and he gives me his righteousness. He gives me his righteousness. I don't deserve it. But he didn't deserve my sin either. This whole thing isn't fair. That's why they call it amazing grace. The divine swap that God took him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I'm so thankful for the divine swap. Now, that's verse 1. <clears throat> Hebrews 11 verse 2 says, For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. Meaning, our ancestors, the Hebrew men and women that we're going to look at as we take our time and go through this, this chapter. This chapter is full of examples of good men and women who are some not so good who, who gained approval before God. It, that's what it says in verse 2. They gained a good testimony. They obtained a good testimony. How did they do that? Through faith. Trusting God. These were all individual people who were all quite different from one another and they all had weaknesses and flaws and, flaws and, and sins and some of them you could look at that were very famous, did very terrible sins. But they all had one thing in common that we can relate to them. They trusted God. They believed in God. Their faith in God. I like the way, and I like to look at simple explanations. That's why I've got, I've got dozens of study Bibles on my tablet. Because it just gives me a quick little explanation. Don't go on and on. I don't want to read a book about it. Just tell me what that verse means. Listen to what the Holman Christian Study Bible says about this. While there seems to be general recognition among Christians, speaking of verse 2, that righteousness and holiness are required to stand before God, many erroneously believe that salvation was attained in the Old Testament by keeping the law. Both Genesis and Romans agree in declaring that salvation may be attained only through faith, believing God. As the sacrificial system perpetually illustrated, atonement must be made. Isaiah 53 presented the suffering servant as one who would ultimately make that atonement. Paul demonstrates explicitly 
what is always implicit in the Old Testament. The law could save no one. Salvation is extended in any era on the basis of God's grace appropriated by faith of human beings. I like that. Simple. Sinful human beings trusting in God make, we connect with His grace and we receive forgiveness and salvation. Matter of fact, one of the, my favorite uh, illustrations of this is Abraham, <clears throat> which we'll look at in this chapter. But let me give you a sneak peek because Romans were... Paul was trying to build the same case of being saved by grace through faith and not by works and not by the law. Uh, he writes in Romans chapter 4, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scripture tells us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they've earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their works, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Oh, I got to keep reading. Uh, I want to stop and think about that one, but let's keep reading. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy! For those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has declared clear of sin. Now this is the blessing, excuse me, now is this blessing only for the Jews or is it also for the uncircumcised Gentiles? Now Paul's argument was some people think they just get, you got to jump through all the hoops and become a Jew before you can become a Christian. You got to get circumcised and keep all the feasts and keep all the, uh, the law, blah, 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 blah. And Paul is arguing, is that how Abraham got right with God? Abraham, by the way, was before the law of Moses. And Abraham wasn't before circumcision. It started there, but he's, was it when he was circumcised he got right with God? He was circumcised after he was right with God. That's the point. Well, we've been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. How did this happen? He was counted as righteous only after he was circumcised. Or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Now, I know some of you guys are thinking, what does this have to do with anything? Because circumcision was a big deal for the Old Testament and for the Jewish people. And it was even in the New Testament when, when Christianity came to the Jews. They thought, oh, but I'm a Gentile. I want to I believe in this Jewish Messiah, but do I have to get circumcised? Nope. That's not the requirement for salvation. It's by faith and faith in Christ and what he's done. Verse 3. Oh, we might get verse 3 done. Look, verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Well, there's a, there's a memory verse for you, right? By faith we comprehend the incomprehensible. <laughs> by faith we believe in things like God who we can't see, the creation, Genesis 1, Psalm 33, on and on. We believe because God said it, and I believe it. You know, it's, by the way, you think, well, the evidence is stacking up against it. No, no, no. I, I wish you would have, and we'll, we'll get back into more on Wednesday nights, but I wish you would have been able to follow with us. What scientists are saying today, they're, they're saying, hmm, we're learning more and more, and especially now with this James Webb telescope, we're seeing things we didn't see, we're knowing things we didn't, hmm. We have to rethink things. 
I'm reading that a lot in scientific periodicals. We have to rethink what we think, what we thought about creation, or they won't call it creation, the beginning or how the universe was formed. We have to rethink everything. This changes everything. How many times do I read this in scientific articles about evolution, about abiogenesis, about the universe? I've seen several secular articles that say, this changes everything. We have to rethink everything. That's why I always have that saying, keep on digging, you know? Because the more they dig, the more they'll find, the more they'll find out that God was right all along. But by faith, we know it ahead of time. By faith, we understand what the evolutionists can't understand. By faith, we understand what the unregenerate, the unsaved can't understand. Things like the Trinity or the, the deity of Christ, the atoning blood. By faith, we could see the invisible because we have God's word and we believe it. By the way, this word, uh, this phrase in verse 3, by faith, it's found 18 times in this chapter alone, chapter 11, okay? 19, if you want to count uh, chapter 10, verse 38, because it, it actually says the just shall live by faith. But uh, 20, if you count verse 2, which says by it, the elders, right? it's by faith, right? So let's say 20 times right here in this, this section of Scripture, by faith is found 44 times in the New Testament. I love technology that you could open up your Bible program and you could select a phrase and search and find the answers instantly. Okay, uh, Habakkuk, Habakkuk was the one in the Old Testament that says, uh, when he says the just shall live by faith, but look at the context of his verse. Uh, let me just read that one verse. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. There's two different kinds of people. There's the proud and the just. And the difference is faith in God. Now, as time permits, I want to take some scriptures of the New Testament and show you arguments that have been made about the importance of faith. I want to show you examples of, remember I told you there's 44 times the phrase by faith is found in your New Testament? Uh, I'm going to give you a couple of those and in your growth groups you could go deeper and look at a few more. And depending on how much we covered this morning, you could finish off my notes because I always give my notes to the growth group leaders. Uh, Acts chapter 15, verse 5. It says, but some sects of Pharisees rose up saying it is necessary to circumcise them and command them to keep the law of Moses. Pause for a second. The first big debate in the, in the early church was, do people have to become Jews before they could become Christians? You know, because Christianity or salvation came to the Jew first and then to the Greek. You know, Romans 1, 16. Well, the, the thing is, the Jews who got saved, they were already circumcised, they were already kosher, they were keeping all the dietary laws and the feast, and, and so they were given the impression that maybe these Gentiles, now they got to be just like us. But that was, so that was the big thing to hammer out, and so in Acts 15, they're hammering it out. And so these Pharisees who got saved were saying, no, no, they got to get circumcised. Um, is it, it, it is necessary to circumcise them and command them to keep the law of Moses. Now let me keep reading from there, verse 6. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. It wasn't an easy slam dunk because all the apostles were Jewish and they were all practicing Jews and practicing the feasts and the law of Moses. They weren't against it. But shall we force this on our Gentile converts? That, let's, let's talk and pray about this, okay? And when there had been much dispute, verse 7 means it wasn't an easy slam dunk. They had to really hammer through some things. Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us by the mouth of the Gentiles uh, 
that by the mouth of the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as to us. He's talking about the, the, the incident in Cornelius' house when it, a Gentile centurion and had all his family together and, and they, uh, the, they believed the gospel when Peter went and visited them and the Holy Spirit came upon them and they all began to show signs of being filled with the Holy Spirit and, and, and so Peter is saying, do you remember that? He, I was there. Peter's the one who should tell it, right? He says, and God made no distinction between us and them purifying their hearts by faith. God didn't purify their hearts by making them jump through hoops, by making them keep all the rules. He purified these Gentiles who were not practicing Jews. They were just Gentiles hearing the gospel and the Holy Spirit came upon them and made them gods, made them mine, God is saying. I don't mean they became gods, okay? And so they became God's possession. He, does, he purified their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you set, test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples which ne neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Listen to the verse 11. But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. It's all grace, huh? God isn't prejudiced racially. He's not prejudiced in, in behaviorally. You've got to keep these rules. It's grace faith in Jesus Christ over and over again. Again in Acts chapter 26 where Paul is telling how he got saved. He told the story and he says, here's, here's the commission God gave me. Acts 26, 17. Jesus said to me, Paul said, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. And here's, here's Paul's mission. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God listen to this, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by keeping all the rules. Who are sanctified by being circumcised and keeping the law of Moses. They're sanctified. They're made right with God by faith in me. This is Jesus speaking to Paul. Did I ever tell you it's all about Jesus? You know why I always tell you that? Because it's all about Jesus. It's faith in him. Now I'm watching the clock and I know we've got a potluck coming up. So uh, heads up for the uh, PowerPoint people. I'm going to skip a bunch, of, a bunch of verses. Maybe I'll squeeze some of them in next week. But I want to go all the way down to Romans 10, 17. If you could find that in your PowerPoint. Because I want to let you know how do we even find faith? How, how do we get faith? Because some people make it sound like, oh no, some people will never believe because God chooses who to give faith to and who not to give faith to. I don't believe that at all. I believe that we, we hear the word of God and you choose to believe it or not. Because the Bible says, Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You hear the message? You, now, what are you going to do with it? Do you believe that Jesus died on a cross for you and he was buried and three days later he rose from the dead? Do you believe that he's coming back again? Do you believe the tenets of the faith? Listen to how New Living Translation puts it. So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. I like that. Now, let me give you one more and then we're going to end here so that, because you guys, I can see you salivating, okay? By the way, even if I do go late, 
don't worry about it. You're not going to eat late because it's all waiting for you in the cafeteria, right? It's not like, where are we going to eat today? We've got to drive there. We've got to order. Then we've got to wait. No, it's, it's all waiting for you. So hang in there. So salvation is coming. One of my favorite verses about this is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, that where Paul, again, Paul is a champion of the, being saved by grace through faith. Uh, Paul explained how people got saved. It says in Ephesians 1, 13, in him, in Christ, you also trusted faith. After you heard, remember I tell you Romans 10, 17, how faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed faith, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. How, it's so simple. You hear the message. You're a sinner. Christ is the Savior. He died on the cross for you because we're all headed for judgment and, and Christ took our ju- judgment for us and God made him who knew no sin to become sin for me, for you, that whoever would believe in him, we become the righteousness of God in him. What a glorious story. You, some of you guys have been with us for years and you know, I just, that Roman, that uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, I wear it out because it's so good. It doesn't wear out. It's good every time, Right? So, Father, we bow before you and we thank you for your goodness and your grace. And I want to lift up your people right now. And I pray, Father, that anyone here who's never crossed that line, who's never put their trust in you, Lord Jesus, they've never gotten saved, they've never had their sin forgiven, you know who they are. And maybe some are listening online or later on the radio, but if I'm talking about you, would you trust in him right now? Would you come to God by faith and just admit, I'm a sinner? Would you just tell him, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that you're the Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me, and I put my trust in that sacrifice to save me. Trust in him now, would you? Because the Bible says, all who call upon him will not be ashamed. He'll hear your cry. He'll change you from the inside out. You'll be forever changed, forever part of the family of God. Father, we bow before Jesus. He's the resurrection. We hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, the power of His name.